Hello, and welcome to From My Angle. I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. In this episode of the From My Angle podcast, I share another conversation from my fall trips to visit admissions officials at colleges and universities across the country. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Laura Stratton, Dean of Admission, uh, Director of Dean. Director. Director of Admission, Scripps College, here in the Claremont College Consortium. So anyway, uh, we were talking a little bit about um, a progressive, aspiring, change-oriented yes. uh, school like Parrish, not wanting to get too far out of the curve <laughs> for selective colleges like Scripps. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your thinking on that, and we can talk broadly, yeah. too, just about where the, where the, edu- where the admission game yes, in college is going, definitely. right? So I think that it's um, wonderful and not outside of the realm of what's happening in other places to have this conversation about what is our mission, Mm -hmm. where are our students and our families, and where do we need to go to continue to to serve our students the best that we can, Mm -hmm. our community the best that we can. And that technology has made that exercise, which I think you know, 20 years ago happened every 20 years. Right. Now it's happening every Absolutely. five years. Mm-hmm. And so you're just seeing the clip of that conversation, I think, is coming much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, the, the, that's great because mm-hmm. we want our students who are coming and choosing a place like Scripps, which is so mission-driven, mm-hmm. to have been in a place that also, if possible, um, has been engaging in that same exercise. So, you know, the fact that we have our core curriculum in the interdisciplinary humanities, that so many of our students coming in are wanting interdisciplinary academic programs mm-hmm. or wanting to do a major, major and minor, that that exercise and, and that change, if it's moving away from AP or it's moving from grades to narrative, mm-hmm. none of that freaks us out. Yeah. Will I, it make you dig deeper on a can, on an applicant? To try to understand that program more, to read a narrative more deeply, to understand a, a set of competencies more so than perhaps a, an AP curriculum, will it force a little bit deeper read? I think it will. Yeah. In that, it one of, the, I think it will, especially as we're getting to know the changes you're making. Mm-hmm. So one of the most wonderful things that we have at Scripps is the ability of time mm-hmm. to sit down and actually get to know an applicant through her application. So spending. 15 to 20 minutes, not only um, like quickly glancing at the transcript, but saying, what does a B mean at this school? Mm-hmm. What does a narrative mean at this school? How is that showing competency? So, so for um, places where we have a, a good grip of that, mm-hmm. uh, we can move through that more quickly just because we have that knowledge. Are but you willing to take a look as we begin to prototype and beta yeah. models of, of these new transcripts, or is that something we could send to you and yes. say, hey, what's your reaction yes. to this? Is it doing a, is it doing our applicants yes. a favor, or is it doing them a disservice? Yes. Yeah, that would be helpful. And are you familiar with the Mastery Transcript mm-hmm. Consortium a little yep. bit? So how, how are, are you, it's so early in its, in its formation. Right. Um, how are you all reacting to that? There are schools that are already doing that. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot, right. but there are. And uh, so, again, I, I think for us, it's going to be not a question of if schools move in that direction, because I think that they're going to move in that mm-hmm. direction. Some schools. Yep. Um, but it's how is that articulated by the school mm-hmm. to colleges through the school report 
and through the high school profile. So we have to be clear on yes. providing the explanation. Yes. And preferably, if we can do this over time with some beta models going back yes. for feedback, that should that should be helpful potentially. So when we have a brand new reader coming in who's mm-hmm. never read Dallas, yep. she's never read college applications before. Right. The thing that we tell her is go to the profile because that profile, which is what your counselors are going to attach to the school report and the transcript, gives us the context to understand the student within her environment. Mm-hmm. And so that's what allows us to really engage in holistic evaluation. Yeah. And so when we, I feel like as admission people, we use this term holistic evaluation and families kind of sit there and they nod yes. They don't like, know what that means. Uh-huh, but but it's, yeah. They're like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Do you not care about grades? Yeah, yeah, and what yeah. it means is that a student is evaluated within the context of what is available to her. Yes. At her school, in her community, in her family unit, at the time. And so it's not just within the school setting, but it's also more broadly. I've heard that word repeatedly. It's my fifth college visit literally in seven days. I was yes. at Northwestern's campus last Tuesday and have done you know the four or the five consortium schools here. And this, yeah. this idea of context, I think, is vague for parents. To, right. I think, that, I think parents are basically about, is the GPA high? Right. And have my standardized test scores hit a certain right. level because that's what the books tell me. I, I need to have, to the, get into this school, I need to have an average GPA is about 3.8. So you need to be in about that area. And the SAT range or ACT range in our case is, you know, 31 to 33. Right. And so it gets sort of stuck there. But this idea of context is that, for our parish folks listening to this, is, is that uh, you're going to look at a school and you're yes. going to look at the school that's sending them, whether it's an AP-based school or not an AP-based school, whether right. it's a school that uses narrative reports or use a GPA kind of traditional-based reports, right. you're going to work hard as an admissions uh, team to understand the context of the school which is sending kids to you because you're getting homeschool kids, private right. school kids, public school kids, uh, Christian schools, yep. you're getting the full the full range. And students can't take classes that aren't offered at their school. So some of it too, again, is that understanding of within the context of what is offered or what is available. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think can happen then in highly selective admission is that what families will hear is, well, then I have to take everything that's offered. I have to take, I have to exhaust all of the curriculum I can then to be eligible for a school that admits 25% of their applicants. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you can really come back to, and this is a great question for families to ask when they're visiting colleges or when they're talking to admission people, isn't just, how's your psychology program? Because we're all gonna say, it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, it's to say, what's the thing that you love reading the most in an application? Where do you spend most of your time? Mm-hmm. And then you can start to see what the values of that college are. And if, if that person is talking to the student or the parent and the reaction is like, well, that's weird, mm-hmm. or that doesn't mm-hmm. jive with me, that's a really good indication that there may not be a match. Yeah. And so context goes hand in hand to me with match. Yeah. Um, and so we've been having conversations at Scripps because of the self-selecting nature of our applicant pool. In fact, we're a highly selective women's college, um, a liberal arts college, a place that's very much life of the mind and is also very um, organized and, and, and engaging in the community mm-hmm, related mm-hmm. to um, just being a very active community member. That's a very small self-selecting group. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll tell students, if you want to go to a football game for a college who's going to be on TV, this is not the place for you. Um, so what we find is that within our applicant pool, 
70 80% of the students who apply to Scripps would do great here. Mm -hmm. They could completely succeed. Um, and so this idea of t a student tying him or herself up in knots to say, well, what does a college want to see? Don't do that mm -hmm. because you can also do everything right. And still. And you have no control over who else applies that year or how big the yeah. class was the year before. That calculus of the institution's yes. needs in that particular year. Yes. And the applicants, yes. plural, needs or, right. and, and skills in that particular year is so complex. Yes. And it doesn't repeat itself. On, never, on, a, never on an itself. annual basis, so right. you, you don't you don't have any you don't have any control over that, and you're taking 250 girls at a freshman class, right? Exactly. Give or take, right? Yep. And so there's going to be um, a segment of them, let's say 35 to 50 percent, that are going to get in early, right? Right. So there's a hundred, you know, there's if you, if you're not going to go early for whatever reason, right. there's 125 spots out of 5,000 applicants exactly. that that are left. You've got your legacy. You've got your uh, special interests. You know those those elements take those spots really pretty pretty And quickly. I think again, these are great questions that families can ask admission people, and admission people should be able to navigate this. And the answer is, what percentage of your class do you seat early? Mm -hmm. And it scripts, and this again aligns with our values that we are really <coughs> trying to not seat more than forty percent of the class early, because we want to give a chance to those regular decision students who wanted more options or wanted to compare merit-based scholarships mm -hmm. or other things. And so yeah. that's a sort of philosophical choice that we've made. Um, and then also, too, um, you know, the way that we talk about curricular preparation has changed dramatically since, since I've been here mm -hmm. for 11 years. And it used to be, you know, take as much as you can, challenge yourself. Well, what we've seen is then we have an entire generation of stressed out college students yeah. who have just done that because they think that's what they have the game. to do. Yeah, playing the game, right. Whereas what actually ends up being most important is how a student can articulate her interests and passions about the things that she really loves. Right. And so if AP Calculus or if Advanced Math is totally your jam, like take those classes yep. and, and be able to talk about that and, and articulate that rather than feeling like I have to do it all and I have to keep it all together and I have to do it all perfectly because yeah. then what happens for those students is I think they get to college and and they're just it's purposeless why did I do really all why stressed. did I and why did I do all that right what, more more importantly like what was that march through high school all about right. in a parish where you know again perhaps polyannishly we we want our 18 year olds to be as, as excited coming to school as our seven year olds right. are and right now, that's not just the case at Parish. I don't think that's the case at most yes. college, preparatory, public, and private schools, frankly. Like, it's just that way. And I want to go back, not because, you know, my dad was an AP teacher in the, for a long time. Like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm from the business. I call myself kind of a sociologist of independent schools. But I have nothing against the APs. Yeah. But when, when schools like, independent schools like a parish, have continued to add AP courses, yes. 22, 25, 27 of them, again, to, I think... Uh, pr propose to their consumer their yeah. value and to potentially quote unquote present their kids in their program as strongly mm. as possible. The phenomenon that's created though right. is that the kids are compelled to take as many of them as they right. can to hit the mark, especially at a place like a Pomona here or even a, a Claremont McKenna who really are going to look at that. Right. Um, because they're going to want to say, look, you offered, you haven't taken the most robust course right. offerings that your school uh, that your school offers. So for us, I think we are not necessarily going to throw our fourteen APs out. 
we're very cautious about adding any more. Only our juniors and seniors can take them. Yeah. And as we reimagine what we want our program to look like, I think we're going to give strong consideration to whether the presence of those courses really help us meet the ends of producing joyful, engaged, uh, still whole yes. learners. Right. And that there, my husband taught AP history for 10 years. And, and one of the things he and I would talk about was just how limiting it can be as well for your faculty. Um, and that many independent schools moving away even from honors mm -hmm. has allowed for faculty to teach classes that are interesting. Yeah. Now, again, from a procedural point of view, it's very helpful if we know that dystopia is a literature class, right? So some of it is just how are we making it as simple as possible because in the nitty gritty of college admission, you know, an admission officer is reading 30 applications a day. And so to make it as simple for her as possible to understand what the transcript means and what the context is, I think is one of those things that your community, your counselors, your you know, senior team and will have control over. Yeah. And it's the purpose of these visits, right? right? It's coming to you all to really say, um, you know, hopefully when I leave today, you have a much clearer sense of who Parish Episcopal right. is as in context to the other Dallas schools that are excellent, exactly. but, but, uh, but distinctly different. And I'm hearing you clearly say, applicant reflect your passion yeah go deep it go find what you're joyful and, and passionate yeah. about and tell that story through yeah. the course you take and the work you do inside and outside yeah. the classroom but i'm also hearing you say very clearly institution be very clear to us yes. with what your program's about yes. and if you do that we're, we're open to a wide variety of programmatic yes. approaches but you better be clear yes and that's the obligation that's back on the team that I work with at Parish. Well, and when we think of college admission too, um, independent schools are an incredibly important part of the relationships that we build and they're the counselors that we're meeting at conferences and presenting with. And then there are also, m most students in this country are going to public schools to which they have no choice of where they go. Yeah. And so it's um, also thinking about the equity of what is fair to expect of any student and also that regardless of if a student is at an independent school or a public school or a charter school or a home school, that they're also 17 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and when we think about how parents can best help to navigate this process, <clears throat> I think one of the, um, the most important things, which was much easier to consider mm -hmm. before I had my own children and sent my first son to kindergarten this mm -hmm. year and for mm -hmm. the first time I've had helicopter parent instincts, mm -hmm. is that this is going to be for the student very often the first time that they have heard a hard no ever. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, no, you didn't get on the varsity football team. It's, no, you really don't get to go to this place where you want yeah. to go. And not that there's a right way to respond to that, but I do think that sometimes that experience takes parents off guard. Mm -hmm. And however they choose to respond to that, I do think that's a moment as a family yeah. where you can move through that in a way where your child is positioned to go on to whatever other great options they have yeah. with a sense of purpose and excitement and, and that that is, to me, the real parental role is the how to walk them through that part of it. Yeah, because the, the, the pathways to a life of meaning and purpose oh. are multiple and varied. And I think, to the notion of sustainability of colleges that are smaller but large colleges across the country, going to be increasingly disrupted in the next yep. 10 to 20 years. There's just going to be other ways at less than $75,000 a year mm -hmm. that a person can get to a life of meaning and purpose. But even today, you know, there's 13% right. you know, of the colleges 
in the country that accept you know 50% or less of their applicants exactly. right so like there are 4000 degree granting institutions exactly. you know you can have your eyes on selective schools like um like the ones that I've been visiting these last mm-hmm. two days here in the in the Claremont consortium but f- fleck into that list a broader yes. array of institutions and you'll yes. be amazed that they will open up pathways to your to your young people um, beyond um, that, I, it is that fixation on uh, the U.S. News and Report top list. Right. It is that fixation that I think has become um, is, is so constricting and so anxiety-producing for families. It's just yeah. really hard for them to let to let go of. I think you're right. Now we we talk so much, and I I want to get a bumper sticker made that I give to like every yeah. person I meet who's ha- who's you know mitigating this process, whether they're a student or parent. Yeah. Of you know, college is a match to be made, not a prize to be won. Yeah. You don't right, get yeah. to, you know, extra brownie points if you, um, you know, were admitted to seven of the Ivies. Yep. And that's what drives admission people nuts mm-hmm. every spring when that, that you know, thing comes out on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Like, here's this student mm-hmm. who got into all yeah. of the Ivies. I mean, that's wonderful for that student. But I think you're right in that um, where you go to college is going to change the trajectory of your life. But... There are so many ways to get to fulfillment and success and a great experience mm-hmm. um, that being open to schools that maybe someone hasn't heard of or that isn't in that top ranking. I mean, one right. of the things that your students have that's such a, a powerful partnership is with your college mm-hmm. counselors. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say, though, is that I do think that families glom on to those rankings because the process is so confusing. So complicated, right. And so for us, as admi- that comes back on us, that the differentiation of a college, when you put out the, you know, the 25 things you're getting in the mail... It's hard. Every college has a class on the lawn yeah. in a circle. Yeah. Every, every so college has a clock tower. For sure, for and, sure. You can start your own club. So some of it is the lack of differentiation among the college. Yeah, on the front end and then the nuance on the back end. Right. This notion that there are X number of seats to be given, the institutional priorities and pressure points that are coming to the admissions office that nobody sees in the brochure. Right. right. So the decisions on the back end right. are not traceable. Right. They, they're, they're not, they're not quote-unquote logical. They're very right. logical from your team's right. standpoint because you've created a tapestry. Right. You're, you're, you're looking for uh, 250 uh, needles in, in a 6,000 uh, right. um, haystack right. um, uh, pile. Um, and so you've picked the ones that you want. You feel great about them. Right. But it's not really traceable or understandable for the applicant who's got everything Right. And it never to will To understand be. why. It never will be. And yeah. so that's where, to me, the power lies in the student not feeling like he or she needs to tie themselves in yes. knots to be who they think we want them to be because they're never going to be able to fully understand what those parameters even are. Unless they're looking at a non-selective state school or a school that's more open admission and then they can have a better understanding. Yeah. And increasingly for me, Laura, like that's the liberation in taking our model and, right. and feeling like, you know what, let's look to deconstruct it in ways that are better for kids. Right. That elevate their mental well-being, their love of learning, their passion, inarguably prepare them for this complex world that they're entering. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not feel like we've got to fit into some some, yes. some pre- prescribed mold. If the kids shouldn't have to feel that way, right. institutions shouldn't. If we could all just 
swallow that and 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 take and take the the step forward mm-hmm. you know maybe that's the secret to, to unlocking um, what has become I think again just sort of a choking anxiety mm-hmm. for this collective this collective process um, on scripture just a second it's like these core this core program yeah. is very appealing to me in terms of where I think uh, you know our, our program of parish will continue to go so you, um, your girls take three semesters mm-hmm. of essentially interdisciplinary thematic yeah. based courses in addition to other yes subject classes so core is a course yes. out of their set of credits in a given tri- right. uh, a given uh, a given uh, are you on tries or on semesters on a, in a given semester yeah. right so how do those courses those core courses get formed are those do they change every year based so they on professor on interest they're on a, on a rotation so uh, core uh, is is a curriculum that's evolved over time yeah. so when scripts was founded in the 1920s the ethos behind it was that it would be the arts and humanities yep. institution in Claremont. Um, and Aligned the, with sort of the jazz age and depression, right. sort of the de- 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 depression era culture of, of that time. And a post-19th Amendment mm-hmm. women's mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and then the interesting thing is that the other colleges grew up very much within the time in which they were founded, which is the most beautiful it's way very to explain the consortium. Very fascinating, um, yeah. So when the core, the early stages of the core was 12 classes. That's evolved now to three and has changed from uh, much more of like a Western Civ mm. sort of humanities yep. education yep. to an interdisciplinary humanities program. And so every three years, the core one theme will rotate. Mm-hmm. And so the theme last year, this year, and next year is community. And so it's taking faculty from multiple departments and talking about who's included in communities who's not who tells the story of communities how do communities change over time and space and place and those courses vary in other words they're not teaching the same course it's one class Mm -hmm. for all of the first semester students together so it's team taught by usually 16 to 18 professors interesting and there's a lecture and two discussion groups each week so that's where it gets smaller and breaks breaks off and so you have this large lecture style which is great because then everyone's hearing the mm-hmm. same material mm-hmm. there is that sense of continuity but then in your smaller groups you're breaking down concepts you're having more intimate conversation and for a women's college it really is about creating a classroom environment where active listening is much a part of it as active participation so for our students to find their voice and continue to find their voice articulate things intellectually that they find interesting or challenging um, and they're reading an incredibly high volume. They're writing quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in that program. And then there's also a current student who's embedded in that class just to help the students mitigate and manage what it's like to be in your first intense college right. class. And then they do another one their spring freshman year, another one fall sophomore year. Yeah, and, and they then become by... progressively more focused. Mm-hmm. So core two is in the spring. The classes are... Um, usually like 35 to 40 mm-hmm. students and it's team taught by two professors or one professor with an interdisciplinary research interest and then core three is a project-based class in the fall of their second yeah, year. I love that so they're really getting getting mm-hmm. their hands their hands into their work and then mm-hmm. I, I suspect after that they're declaring their major yes and start on their on their pathways and again I can't underscore enough one of the big takeaways for me in this visit um, for for the parish community is uh, what you I think very aptly in, in title in this in this uh, 
you book how the amplification yeah. of of essentially a five college experience yes. for for the for the um, uh, the students that are on these campuses here because your your girls can um, can leave Scripps and uh, major in engineering and mm-hmm. take start taking a lot of courses at, at MUD yeah. or they can get into um, uh, economics and international affairs and mm-hmm. go take courses at Claremont McKenna. Right, or they can uh, become really um, in, impassioned about environmental sustainability yeah. and social justice issues and take classes over Pitzer. So yeah. um, this, this notion of, of how the consortium truly amplifies the one college experience right. into a five college experience is, is powerful. So, um, so being a women's college of nine, you know, about a thousand students, mm-hmm. it just allows not only to engage in majoring off campus if we don't have your program or, you know, um, utilizing the other <coughs> schools in the consortium, but also that economics at Scripps is going to be taught very differently than economics at CMC. Mm-hmm. So you also just have more richness within disciplines where we do offer coursework. Um, and you'll see that in programs like math, which is a five college program, there's something like 140 different course offerings, mm-hmm. not like sectional offerings, like actual course offerings. Yeah. And so I think that it's not only the breadth that gets bigger, but it's also the depth at which you can dig into information. Um, and so when students are considering multiple Claremonts, what we tell, which is really common, um, I think you would probably not be a match for all five, but for two or three, it's very common. And it's, we always, we encourage students to look at sort of the, um, the general education requirements. So those are gonna be very different from Harvey Mudd and for Scripps. Mm-hmm. But at either of those, you can end up majoring in physics. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel about sort of that general education introductory curriculum? And then also, how do you feel about the vibe on campus? Um, and what are you really looking for in terms of a community experience? And I think for us, for our students, there's such a strong sense of empowerment that comes from being in a women's college. I think too that our students can explore all different kinds of ways to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always say, you know, our students would much rather be, you know, watching, binge watching like Jane the Virgin mm-hmm. and talking about like deconstruction of feminism on network TV mm-hmm. than going to a frat party. Yep. So it's yep. also too that if students can be honest with themselves about what they want and what they don't want, they can start to find those little seams of, of space at a college to say, oh, maybe that would be my place. Yeah, it's really remarkable as one who is maybe a little more bullish on the problems that schools, uh, liberal arts colleges are going to have in the future mm-hmm. as their economic model um, continues to become um, less accessible to families potentially, mm-hmm. is that this this model, which is built around Cambridge, Oxford, yeah. and goes back you know, 100 years yeah. to the founding of Pomona, essentially, is actually an idea that was ahead of its time, right. because I think more liberal arts colleges yes. in the future are going to have to look at these types of fusions right. of programs. I mean, you all operate here as independent entities economically, and your own boards of trustees, your own presidents, right. but there may well be in time uh, an era of some mergers of, of and schools. that's happening. That is, it's already happening and may happen more just around, you know, uh, programmatic niches, yeah. Of strength where they combine, create synergies. Uh, but in any event, uh, you know, I've I've walked away um, understanding a lot more clearly the power of that notion of how this amplifies the experience for the learner here. Well, and for for those relationships, you know, the whether it's the presidents of the college or the student body presidents or the deans of the faculty or the admission directors, that we 
we meet, like we know each other, we work together. And mm-hmm. even though we aren't sharing information about admission, you know, like applicants, that we, part of what's built into being in Claremont is that you work with the other Claremonts. And and so for students, it's, it's not just that you can cross-register, which you can do at consortia all over the country, but that you can walk to that class. Mm-hmm. You're not getting mm-hmm. on a bus. And mm-hmm. you can, you know that class is gonna start and end the same time as the classes at your home college. So you mm-hmm. can swipe into the dining halls. That you're mm-hmm. gonna be on athletic fields with people from the other schools. So it, you're right, it's not just that colleges can say, oh yeah, we wanna be parts of a consortium and you can like take a class here or there, but really being thoughtful about mm-hmm. Where does it make sense for us to come together? Mm-hmm. And where does it make sense for us to maintain our independence? Yep. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's leveraged, and it's, it's insulated us in many ways from some of the challenges that other women's colleges are facing, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And also, I think our location. You know, being on the edge of a great city, mm-hmm. um, and a diverse city, mm-hmm. and a city that, um, you know, has access to a lot of things related to tech and art and research, and there is sort of this sense of um, a connection to with LA, even yep. though we're not in Los Angeles. You certainly have access to all yes. those resources, but you know, out here in the what do they call this, the land of trees and PhDs? Yeah, yes. Like, this is a very, uh, it's a very cool community yeah. and a very livable. It's a very livable place, yep. um, and so. I, mean, I think it's highly, highly attractive, and I'm going to go back to Parish and continue to do as much work as mm. I can to set set sites uh, for those you said earlier who are looking for the small liberal arts right. experience, not the big, uh, yes. you know, state college rah rah athletic yes. experience uh, that they they should take a a, a good hard look yeah. uh, out here. You've been gracious with your time mm. and your expertise, it's so my thanks, thanks yeah, so much for offering it to us. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this edition of From My Angle. Be on the lookout for future episodes and be sure to pass along this link to your friends and business associates. Until next time, thanks for joining us.